Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Well, Pastor John, you did a great job last week. It was a great sermon. Thank you, my friend. And, um, well, what should we talk about this morning? What are you doing? My, my, my aunt is over there going like this. She's got a timer on her phone. I don't know what's going on here. Mary's, hi, Mary. This, this is how they do it. Mary can't, you know, so she's holding the phone up so Mary can hear the sermon today. Let me tell you what, I like Mary. <laughs> so anyhow, let's see. I'm, I'm up here, say, what's the pastor doing? He's stalling. If you've ever been, if you've ever been a pastor, you've ever been a preacher, there's times you have everything you've prepared, and then there's moments you get up there and you're going, um... You know, is that where you want me to go, Lord? You want me to go a different direction, Lord? And I'm up here stalling and trying to figure it out. And maybe I'll take a vote. That won't work. And, uh, and then it's funny because Troy comes up and says, and then Troy hasn't asked this in weeks. He says, you want me to play the bumper today? Well, my thought was he should automatically know I'm going to play the bumper. But then all of a sudden it's like, well, maybe the Lord doesn't want me to preach that message. Don't touch. Don't touch. Don't touch. Yeah, but I was going to put it up here where she could hear better. Hi, Mary. <laughs> how Hi. are you today? I'm well. How are you today? <laughs> good. Hi, everybody. I, I miss everyone. Hey, she misses everyone. I want you to know that. I want you to know that I have you placed right on the pulpit. <laughs> you, are, you, are, you are front and center. When I start yelling, you're going to get an earache. All right. See, I, 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 I'm sure Dad's going to penetrate my heart with something today. Oh, he's going to penetrate something. All right. L- listen, I got to go now because everybody here is being serious and I'm having too much fun. I got to go. Okay. <laughs> get, go with me. Luke chapter 8. Here we go. We're going to roll the dice. Forget about the slide. We don't need the slide today. Um, we're going to go a different direction and see what the Lord has for us. Um, you know, I, I got to tell you, though, I was going to preach a message. Uh, let, me just, let me just say one thing about what I was going to preach. Can I do that? Um, it's a crazy time we live in, is it not? And yet, right now, it's, uh, it's funny. Everybody's talking about a cashless society and the mark of the beast and chips and all that stuff. And um, I was actually going to preach a message that Jesus asked a question. He says, who is the faithful and wise servant that he will find at his return? And I think today we need to understand something as a church I think we need to be more focused upon worrying about having the mark of a Christian than the mark of the beast. The mark of being a Christian is faith. The mark of, you know what, never mind, never mind, go back to the screen. We're going back to the screen. It's okay, George, it's my journey. ADHD, love love life. Troy, I'm gonna need a clicker or else you're gonna have to click it. There it is, never mind. You know what, let's go. Here we go, because I think it's an important message all of a sudden. All right, Jesus asked this question. He says, who then? He asked this question in Matthew chapter 24. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is outlining a series of things that are going to happen at the end of the days. Wars, rumors of wars, famine, and all this stuff. How many know we live in a crazy time where everybody's predicting that Jesus is coming back tomorrow? That's okay if Jesus comes back tomorrow, all right? That's not, I'm not mocking that. 
But what I want us to understand is that sometimes we get our eyes off of what our eyes need to be on and we start getting consumed by things we shouldn't be consumed by. So Jesus gives this whole illustration of the things that are going to happen at the end of the days in Matthew chapter 24. At the end of that, he asked a question. Let me read it to you. He says, he goes, verses 36 through 44, he talks about how no one knows the day or the hour. Let me say that again. No one knows the day or the hour. Amen? All right? Now, verse 45, then he asked this question. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made roller over the household to give them food in due season? So Jesus asked this question. Who's the faithful and wise servant? Who the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them food at the proper time? At that time, he goes on to a parable. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. Now, it was on. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Now, what is the occasion for this parable? The occasion for the parable is everything he just mentioned in chapter 24. In chapter 24, he's listing the end of the time, the end of the days, the return of him, his second coming, and then he asked a question. And when I return, who is going to be, who is the wise and faithful servant? Now he goes into a set of parables that explains who is the faithful and wise servant, all right? The first one he goes into is the story of the bridegroom with the ten virgins. Five foolish and five wise. It's amazing how many times this scripture is used to produce fear in people. Let me say this to you. The return of the bridegroom is not a fearful event for the bride. Come on. Let me say this again. The return of the bridegroom is not a fearful event for the bride. How many of you ladies were scared on your wedding day? Well, if you knew now what you knew then, if you knew then what you know now, you might have been. <laughs> right? You, you weren't afraid. It was something of joy. Uh, you, you, didn't, you weren't like, oh my gosh, here comes the bridegroom. This is terrible. This is dreadful. This is so scary. Well, that's ridiculous. It was a moment of joy. It was a moment of anticipation. It was a moment expected. You couldn't wait for it. Come on, church. We're not afraid of his second coming. If you're an unbeliever, you might be. Right? The return of Jesus is not fearful for the church. The return of Jesus is not fearful for believers. It is not fearful for us who know him, all right? This parable that Jesus tells is a parable about being ready for the coming of Christ. So here's the question. What is it? <laughs> I heard a noise up here. I'm like, what is that noise? It's Mary. Okay, anyhow. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just have too much fun. If you, if you don't like fun, you don't want to be around me. I like fun, all right? Okay, this parable is about being ready, the church, for the coming of Christ. Now, what is it that makes us ready and able to enter into this wedding feast, this banquet that is being prepared for us? How many know right now there is a banquet being prepared, right? It ain't gonna be no turkey bacon, all right? 
just telling you. Ain't gonna be no tofu, all right? It's gonna be good stuff, right? I'm just telling all you food Nazis now. I'm making the menu, all right? Okay? Listen, what makes, it, what makes us ready and able to enter into this banquet? Well, I went to church every day for 16 years in a row. God bless you, that doesn't make you ready. Well, but I, but I gave this money, that doesn't make you ready. Well, but, but, but I gave all I had to the poor, that doesn't make you ready. Come on. There's only one thing that makes us ready for the return of Christ and able to enter into the wedding supper of the Lamb, the wedding banquet, faith. Faith is the commodity by which we enter the wedding banquet. There is no other commodity, all right? Now, you got a lamp, you got oil, and you got a fire. Hmm. You see, when I look at this parable, and I studied this parable, again, it is about being able to enter into the kingdom, enter into the banquet, enter into that which he has prepared for us. And the only way I can do that is by faith. These elements are elements of salvation. These elements are, if you will, uh, first of all, let me show you this scripture. For grace, by grace, you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. All right, so let's understand something. So God has offered you salvation. It is a free gift. How do I accept and receive that gift? I only accept and receive that gift by faith. And it is a gift of God. It's called the grace of God given to me, and I only enter it when I put my faith in what Jesus did on Calvary. Another scripture, John chapter 3, verse 5, when he's talking to Nicodemus. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So here's, how many know we, we cannot even come to him without the Spirit drawing us? There's a drawing by the Holy Spirit. Oil in scripture is often symbolic and indicative of the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit draws us in and we come to him by faith and by the Spirit of God. John 3, verse 6. That which is born of flesh is flesh. Anybody here not born into this world? Just want to know. You got here some other way. Right? You were born. You were born through your mother. You were born into this world. Flesh gave birth to flesh. You were a natural person. You were a fleshly person. You were born with a sin nature. You were born with carnality within you. And there come a moment in time where we are born anew from above by what Jesus did on Calvary, and then we are now being born of the Spirit, right? Flesh gives birth to flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So now, I'm seeing a pattern here. I am saved. I step into the kingdom by faith, right? By grace, through faith, and the working of the Holy Spirit of God. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it but you don't know where it comes from and where it's going. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit, right? Okay, now, so what does that tell us? The only way to enter the kingdom of God is to enter by grace through faith and of the Holy Spirit. The only way that you and I can be ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ is by faith and the work of the Holy Spirit. How many know you can't save yourself? How many know you didn't draw yourself to salvation? How many know you're not born of yourself? You're born of an imperishable state. You're born of the Spirit of God. And it is only by faith that you and I can enter into the kingdom of God. So the first thing we have to understand is that the wise and sensible, faithful servant that Jesus is looking for are those who were born again, born anew from above, by faith through the Holy Spirit. I, 
Now watch this. So watch what happens. Let me show you this. So as we look at the virgins, the oil, the lamp, we see the elements of salvation. Grace, faith, and the Holy Spirit. Now, you look at these five that had extra oil and five who had no extra oil. When the, he comes back, what do you have? You've got those without any oil, those without any flame. Their lamp is out. How many know there's no faith there? How many know there's no faith? How many know you cannot enter into the kingdom without faith? It is absolutely impossible. Watch this. Here's the thing. What we need to understand is salvation by grace through faith of the Holy Spirit are individualistic and non-transferable. The, the, the ten, come on. Let, let's talk about this for a moment. All of a sudden, you're looking at this parable. You've got five wise, five ten, five unwise. We always talk about how the ones fall asleep. How many know all ten fell asleep? How many know all ten fell asleep? Right? wasn't five awake and five not. All ten fell asleep during that intermission. All ten heard the cry at midnight. All ten fell asleep. All ten heard the same cry. All ten woke up at the same moment. What was it that set the five apart from the other five? Faith. What was it that set salvation? Faith. Grace. Holy Spirit. Right? The five foolish ones wake up. Oh, my goodness. Our flame went out. We have no oil. Give us some of yours. I can't. I can't. I mean, no, I can't give you my salvation. I mean, I can't share with you my faith to get you saved. I can share with you the scripture. I can share with you faith. I can share with you the salvation message, but I can't share my faith with you. I can't walk up over here and say, Bonnie, not Ron, Ron, <laughs> right? Ron, Ron, here's some of my faith so you, you can get into the kingdom. You're not coming into the kingdom by your spouse's faith. You're not coming into the kingdom by your parents' faith or your grandparents' faith. You can't come in another way. There's only one way into that kingdom, only one way into that banquet, and that is if you have your own faith in your own lamp and your own oil by the Holy Spirit of God. That's it. We often hear the phrase, whether they think God doesn't have grandchildren, something like that. Let me tell you something. If he had grandchildren, he'd get in before you. How many of you know what it is to have grandchildren? How many of you know you actually like them better than your own kids some days? I'm just kidding, Tony. Well, aren't they nicer to you than your own kids some days? Okay. I'll, let me get one pappy in the back who understands what I'm talking about. Jeff back there. You must understand. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. This parable, the only thing that makes you ready for the return of Jesus is faith. Salvation your own faith, individual faith, your individual faith in what he did, okay? The wise and sensible servant is the one who enters the kingdom through grace, faith, and the Holy Spirit. That's it. But what does it look like? What does it look like to be this one who has come into the kingdom, this one who will enter into the banquet? Right? What does it look like? Well, it's amazing. Jesus goes on to tell us the next parable, which I have never connected together until a few months ago. I was doing a teaching on this. And this teaching is how these two parables actually go together to answer the question of Jesus asked, who then is the wise and faithful servant? These two parables go together. For it is like, Jesus goes on, for it is like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. All right. How many of you know 
that when we put our faith in Jesus, we enter into the kingdom of God. And when we enter into the kingdom of God, what do we become? We become subjects of the king. Here's a, here, let me just say this for a minute. Many of us live, we come into the kingdom, we want the benefits of salvation, we want the benefits of going to heaven when we die, but we do not want to live our present life as subjects of a king. He is the king now. He's not just the king then. He is the king now. But some, we live sometimes as if he's only the king then. When we begin to live as he's the king now, when we live as the king now, now everything in my life is subject to him. My breath is his, my life is his, my body is his, my thoughts are his, my attitude is his, my culture is his, my value system is his. Come on, my money is him, my house is his. I mean, oh, everything is his. But we don't live that way. Come on, let's be honest for a moment. But we truly don't always live that way, do we? We live, I got this, this is mine, and this is yours, God. When the reality of it is, when I step into the kingdom, I now become a subject of the king. All right? In the kingdom is where we combine our faith and our works. It's amazing to me. The parable of the ten virgins talks about our faith that enables us to experience and step into salvation. But the next parable then combines that with our works. Because I may know faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead, right? What's, what's, what's James say? James says this. What use is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? Hmm. She must not have liked the message. She hung up. <laughs> what? Well, I want to call her. Oh, I could have some fun with that right now, but I won't. At your expense, I will be very good, okay? Right? What? I want to call her back so bad, John. I want to call her back. What? I want to call her back. Say, did I offend you? Did I say something wrong? I want to have so much fun with this. Okay. Be good. Be, do not be your ornery self. <laughs> All right. Look at James says, listen, you, got, you say you have faith, but you got no work. Can that faith save you? Listen to me. When you are stepping into the kingdom of God by faith in Jesus Christ, there better be some works accompanied to your life. You cannot read the book of Acts and not see that. How do you read the book of Acts? Okay, I'm going to, how do you read the book of Acts, believer, and not do a thing in the kingdom of God? How do you read the book of Acts, believer, and not give to the kingdom of God? How do you read the book of Acts and not serve in a local body? How do you do the book of Acts and not serve in this world for the kingdom of God? How can we do that? The book of Acts is the Holy Spirit. We understand that. But it is, a, it is the story of a church who had faith and works. Faith and works. Now, hello? You hung up on me. Awesome. See, that's why I love you. Okay, then you go listen on theirs. We'll talk to you later. Okay, that's fine. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having so much fun today. 
<laughs> if you don't like fun, you're, I'm going to be really offensive to you. <laughs> it's all good natured, by the way. So, so what, 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 you, you've got to have some works that accompany your faith, ladies and gentlemen. James also said, but someone says, uh, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I'll show you my, my faith by my works, right? Go. Cool. Here's the fundamental question. Do the things that I have in my life come from God's self or someone else? God's self or someone else? Nebuchadnezzar looked out across a Babylon that he Look at the great Babylon that I have created. <laughs> look how great I am. Now, how many know he was just living it up? Like, look at what I've accomplished. I am so awesome. I am so great. This great Babylon, and God's like, hello? Excuse me? I'm the one that made you what you are. I'm the one that gave you what you got. And you have, you, you have taken all the credit. I got news for you, pal. The next seven years, you're going to be like a crazy locust or a crazy beast eating grass like a cow. Whew. Wow. You see, we have to ask ourselves this question as believers. Do the things I have in my life, the very breath that is in my lungs, whose is it? It ain't yours. He breathed that into your lungs. He's the one that breathed it into Adam. He's the one that Bible says that knew you when you were in your mother's womb. He's the one that says he fearfully and, knit, fearfully and wonderfully knit you together in your mother's womb. How many know this morning, you don't even exist without God. You don't even exist. You don't even breathe, right? And so now the fundamental question is, are these things in my life, they come from me, God, someone else? See, upon entering the kingdom by grace through faith and the Holy Spirit, Believers are entrusted with the resources of the kingdom. When you and I are born again into the kingdom of God, how many of you believe that as subjects of the king, he then begins to put things into your life for the use in his kingdom? Right? And how does he do that? How does he do that? Well, first of all, let me tell you what it is. That you and I are given a sacred trust from God to us. I've got a sacred trust that he's entrusting to me things of his kingdom into my life, right? Now, and faith is the commodity by which I put the resources of God to work through my life. It, it, and I'll show you how this works in a moment. It is impossible to put the resources of God into operation without faith. It's impossible. And how does he give these resources? He gives them according to ability. Right? That's not what the parable tells us. To one he gave ten, to one he gave five, to one he gave one. Right? And how did he go out? The Bible says, the scripture literally says, he gave each one according to their ability. Hmm. Guess what? I got good news for some of you. Some of you have been given a whole lot more and entrusted with a whole lot more because you got a whole lot more ability than me. There's probably a reason I don't have ten billion dollars. But if I did, baby, we would have some fun in the kingdom. Okay? There's probably a reason I don't have that. Now, again, please don't understand for a moment that I don't believe we don't use our God-given ability to multiply and so forth and so on. We have talents. We have abilities. I understand that. But he gives according to ability. Right? And it is perfectly normal in God's kingdom for us to have varying degrees of ability. How I many know that's okay? Everybody say that's okay. Right? Servants of the kingdom have different 
differing degrees of ability, but no difference in accountability. If I've been given five, I'm responsible for those five. But you are just as accountable for the two. You are just as accountable for the one. You are not accountable for my five. You are not accountable to my ten. But you are accountable to what you've been given. We have difference in ability, but there is no difference in accountability. May we understand that we're going to give an account as believers at the judgment seat of Christ where our works are going to be tried, where our works are going to be judged. Amen? This is not the great white throne judgment. This is the judgment seat of Christ where believers' works are going to be judged. You will be judged on what you do as a believer. Amen? Amen. Now, let me talk to you a little bit about this scripture. And I'll bring this home in about another two hours. After a long time, the master of those servants returned. I mean, this is what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about his return. And he settled accounts with them. Someday, you and I are going to stand before Jesus and we're going to settle accounts. What would you do with my stuff? How many know this is, <laughs> how many have ever had your wife look at your husband and say, what would you do with my stuff? Anybody? Let me give you, I hope Penny's not watching. I'll give you a little confession. When we were moving, we had to move from up the mountain to Eltoon. We had to empty the garage, and there's a lot of stuff, stuff that hasn't been used in like 14 million years. Matter of fact, I don't think they've used it since Moses was on the face of the earth. And, and, and it may have, might have just possibly gotten to the point that went to the dumpster. And then I got the question, what happened to my stuff? Eric did it. <laughs> See, in my house, everything is Eric did it. Okay? If it gets broke, Eric did it. All right? Why? Because Penny don't yell at Eric. She likes Eric. She loves Eric. If it's me and Tony, we're dogs. All right? Like, well, not dogs. My house, you're a dog. You're really great. Anyhow. But if it breaks, Eric did it. Because Eric don't get yelled at. So I just told Eric, you're going to throw you into the bus and everything there is. Right? Uh, now, all of a sudden, you and I are going to stand before Jesus, and Jesus is going to say, what'd you do with my stuff? What'd you do with my stuff? What'd you do with the stuff I gave you? What'd you do with the stuff I entrusted to you? What did you do with it? I want to know. Where, here's the accountability. And we're going to stand there and say, um, um, watch what happens to this one. The man who received five bags of gold brought the other five. You entrusted me with five. Look, I've gained five more. Hmm. His master replied, well done. Good and faithful. What? Good and what? Faithful servant. Who are we looking for? The faithful and wise servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. Now I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Hmm. The only way to bring a multiplied return is to put the resources to work in faithfulness and with faith. You see, when I take what God has given to me and I am faithful with them, the only way I can be faithful with them is when I do it in faith. There's a lot of things in our lives as a church that we've had to do in faith. We've done some things in faithfulness, and we had to do them by faith. Now, I could go back and tell all the stories. I won't do that this morning. But in your life, your faithfulness is directly related to your level of faith. Well done, good and faithful servant. It took faith to take the five, put it to work, to multiply it for another five. Faith is the commodity by which his servants produce a kingdom return. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
right? So now I take this. He gives it to me in my life. Let's talk about money for a moment since we love money. Come on. I mean, it is the love of money that is the root of all evil, not money in and of itself, right? Let's talk about money, and I'm not trying to get more offerings, although we will take them. But when I have money that God has given to me and entrusted to me, how is it that I can bring a kingdom return with this money? The only way I can do that is when I have enough faith to take that money and I sow that money to produce a kingdom return. How many know that is what it looks like? How many of you have ever had to give what you didn't think you had? Well, then we're going to test that right now. Get the offering buckets. There are times in your life where you're looking at what you have and what God is telling you to give, and you have to make a reconciliation somewhere. And you're saying, do I trust God to be able to sow this and to multiply this, and do I have the faith to do it, or am I going to operate in fear? See, when you read the parable of the, these talents, faith causes sowing, sowing causes reaping, and reaping causes rewards. You can't get away from that in this. You cannot get away from sowing and reaping. Fa sowing is a faith action, is it not? My, my friends from Sowing Seeds and Belize are here, right? They know all about sowing seeds. They're here. They've been sowing seeds and Belize. They, 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 they know all about this. When you plant the seed, how many know that is a faith action, right? I, I got, let me tell you what I got on my, I, I have Jumanji growing on my deck right now. How many of you ever seen the movie Jumanji? Maybe it gets overgrown. That's what's on my deck. My wife decided she wanted to put a garden in this year, but we can't put a garden up there because the deer eat everything. So on my deck are those plastic cement mixing things, right? Like three or four of them filled with cucumbers, zucchini, tomatoes. It looks like Jumanji has overtaken my deck. It's growing up everywhere, right? But listen to me. We didn't start with the fruit. We started with the seed. And by faith, she sowed the seed. And now it grows into fruit. Faith causes you to sow. Sowing causes you to reap. Reaping causes you to bring a return to the Lord. And when you bring a return to the Lord, how many know there's a reward for that? You cannot get away from it in this scripture. Now, then the man who received one bag of gold. He came, hey master, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. Hmm. Fear, isn't it funny what caused him to hide that one bag of gold? Fear, but what produced the fear? What produced the fear was an inaccurate assessment of the master. I mean, if you don't have a proper assessment of the master, you will never sow in faithfulness. Faith and fear cause two diametrically opposed actions, right? Faith causes sowing. Fear causes hoarding. Because I'm afraid, I might lose this one. Because I'm afraid of what you might do to me if I lose this one. Because, I, how many of God always rewards faith? Come on. Does this, does this church have any faith? I'm going to say this again. God always rewards faith. 
He doesn't reward stupidity sometimes, wrapped in faith. But God always rewards faith. Right? And so now you have a choice to make. I sow in faith or I hoard in fear. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about anything that has been entrusted to us. That I hide it. That I conceal it. I'm afraid. I hid it in the earth. Right? Faith brings rewards. It just does. You can't get away from it in Scripture. You cannot get away from that principle. Fear brings judgment. What? You, okay, the five and the two, they come. And what do they hear? Well done, good and faithful servant. Here's some more. Step into your master's happiness. Fear brings judgment. You wicked, lazy servant. You wicked, lazy servant. This was someone in the kingdom. This was someone who was subject to the king. Right? This wasn't an outsider. This wasn't an unbeliever. This was someone inside who could not operate in a level of faith with what God had given to them. Faith brings increased authority. You see what the scripture says? What? He said, you have been faithful in a few things. Now here are more. I'm going to give you more. Funny. In the kingdom is where when we perform and we do, we get more to do. <laughs> In your, in your organizations, you know who to give more work to? <laughs> Debbie's back there pointing at Lee. You give it to those who get things done. You give it to those who are productive. You don't waste your time on people who don't get something done. God's the same way. God's like, you know what? You've been faithful. Here you go. Matter of fact, you know what he said at the end of this? He said, take that gag from him and give it to the others. You, you fear, fear brings the removal of authority in our life. God will not give authority to those who don't subject to authority, operate under authority, and operate with faith. Some of us want more for doing less in God's kingdom. I've met a lot of people who want more from God but want less to do. Here's the question. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? The answer is the faithful and sensible servants are the ones whose life is marked by faith and works. Your life, my life as believers, has got to be a combination of faith and works. Jesus answered his own question. He asked the question in chapter 24. He gives the answer in chapter 25. Now, what am I saying all this for this morning? In a day when everyone is talking about the mark of the beast... Perhaps we should be focusing on the mark of the servants, which is faith. Faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Isaac. By faith, uh, uh, Moses. By faith, Sarah. By faith, jo Jacob. By faith, Isaac. Come on, on and on and go. Listen to me this morning. All of these ones listed in Hebrews chapter 11, they had a combination in their life. The combination was faith and works. Faith and works. Sh listen to me this morning. If you, got, if you have no works in your life, I doubt you have any faith in your life. Sounds harsh, doesn't it? We're, we're running around. We're running around worried about cashless society. We're running around about chips. Let's be the church. 
Let's show the marks of what it is to be the wise and faithful servants in the land now. Why do we always get so intrigued and so wrapped up in all these things that we don't even know when we're speculating about? People are quoting things. It's not even scripture that they're quoting. Listen, I'm not sure what the mark of the beast will be or what it is, but I do know what the mark of the servant is. Faith. I do know what Jesus is looking for when he comes back. I do know what the Bible tells me for. Who then is the wise and faithful servant that the master will find when he comes back? Listen to me, church. We're the believers of Jesus Christ. We're the subjects of the kingdom. If you've entered in by faith, if you've entered in by the blood of Jesus Christ, you're a subject of the kingdom now. And there is an expected work on your behalf. There is an expected sowing. There's an expected faith action. There is an expected return on his resources because he's coming back and he's looking for those who have a combination of faith and works. Jesus answered his own question. It is a whole lot easier. What did he, come on. Y- y- you know what I'm talking about. Don't we, we like those things that are black and white, don't we? Like if I could just... Red pen. No, no. There it is. Bark of the beast. We got it. There it is. How many know our lives would be so much simpler if we could just put a mark on us that clearly delineates? Don't we like that, right? We can keep score like this way, right? Like this is... There you go, Ron. Let me see that red dot again, the red pen again. <laughs> but, uh, do you understand what I'm saying? Listen to me. We're okay. Just, just, just make sure I don't take that right mark. Listen to me. Stop worrying about what the mark is and live as the mark of a servant, a mark of a Christian. Quit trying to figure out what the mark is you don't want and live with the mark that he wants. We're, we're, we're running around. Oh, I got to make sure I don't get this. I got to make sure I don't get that. Listen to me. Wear the mark that he wants you to wear. What is it? It's faith and works. It's faith and works. If you are faithful to him and you are working for him, you don't got to worry about no faith. Mark of the beast. Now, again, I know that these things are, I'm going to get into that today. But your life, and I'm going to end with this. Come on, Troy. Let's give him hope. You weren't here last week either. Who did, who did you say come on to? Come on, Lindsay. What are the things? Let me ask you a question this morning, and I'm going to be done. It is far more important in this day and age that we're living that we are wearing the marks of a Christian than worried worried about the mark of the beast. I would suggest to you this morning that the marks of a Christian in this day and era are still love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Come on. Come on. And can I, let me say this to you this morning. 
How many know it takes faith sometimes to show patience? <laughs> I mean, you ever just want to, oh, I just want to, I just want to post. By faith, I need to be quiet. <laughs> right? How many of you know this morning that the gifts of the Spirit shall still mark our life in this era? The gifts of the Spirit should still mark our lives. That we still pray and the sick get well. That we still prophesy. That we still use wisdom. We have wisdom, a godly gift of wisdom, discernment. How many know we need discernment in this hour? So we don't drink every stupid conspiracy theory out there. The marks of a Christian. That we are faithful. Faithfulness is the mark of a subject. Faithfulness is the mark of a servant. When Jesus returns, will he find who then is the wise and faithful servants? And faith, wise and faithful servants, what do they look like? There are those who combine their faith and works in this hour. And one day we're going to stand before him and we're going to settle accounts. And when we settle those accounts, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Well done. Come on in. Share my happiness. Hang out with me. Let's eat. Let's eat. The wise and faithful servant. I challenge you. I'm challenging you this morning. Put on the marks of a Christian. Put on the marks of a servant. Put on that mark. So, Father, this morning, help us to focus our lives on what we should be marked by. I, I don't know what the mark of beast is going to be. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know. Quite frankly, I'm not going to consume my life a whole lot with it right now. But I do want to consume my life by being marked by you. That when you return, you would find me to be a wise and faithful servant, a faithful and sensible, faithful and wise servant, one who has combined faith that gets me into the kingdom and one whose works have defined me as a subject of the kingdom. So Father, help us in these days ahead. Help us in these crazy times. Help us in these crazy eras that we would say, you know what? I'm going to focus on what I'm marked by and not what I'm what the mark might be. Help us with it. Bless your people this week in every way. Raise our faith level this week, God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, stand with me. Let's sing something.